Hi there, I'm Jason Gotts, and you're listening to Think Again, a Big Think podcast. Thelma and Louise, Pancho and John, Pancho and Lefty, Quixote and Sancho Panza, Marx and Engels, Marx and Chast, history and literature are full of magical buddy stories. Every now and then, for reasons no one can explain, two people come together and produce something greater, or at least very different, from the sum of their parts. I'm here today with one such team, the writer-cartoonist duo of Patricia Marks and Roz Chast. They're both longtime contributors to The New Yorker and fearsome humorists in their own rights, but together they form a third fearsome thing, a thing which has created books such as Why Don't You Write My Eulogy Now So I Can Correct It, A Mother's Suggestions, and their latest, You Can Only Yell at Me For One Thing at a Time, Rules for Couples. They're also the shadowy figures behind yet a fourth thing, the legendary ukulele band, Euclear Meltdown. Welcome to Think Again. Thank you. So um, let us hear the legend of Euclear Meltdown. Well, oh. we started in the 60s, of course. We told Bob Dylan to go nasal. We told Joan Baez to grow her hair. We were at Woodstock, but we weren't um, we were facing... facing... We were facing the wrong way. Yeah. Are you, were you yeah. were you high, or are you allowed to talk about that? Oh, I heard that I, was, I heard that Santana was on a lot of acid. I was yeah. on a lot of artificial sweetener. Okay. Yes, right. yes, and I was on a lot of Advil. I had such a habit. So yeah. together, that creates a kind of magical alchemy of oh, music. Oh, absolutely. Advil. It was and, our own yeah. magic bus. Mm-hmm. Our breakout album really was something called. Um, Duck and cover. Duck and cover, right. Because, you know, ucular meltdown. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, uh, so yeah. this would have been during the Cold War. Yes. In yeah. fact, um, yes. many historians believe that we made the Cold War worse, yeah. which we're very pleased about. I believe that. And uh, we had a number of big hits. We had the um, string of albums called... I can't believe it's not. I can't believe it's not a coyote. I can't believe it's not scratching on the blackboard. I can't believe it's not a call for help. And we had so much merchandise at one point. I mean, this was like during the height of our popularity. There was Eucular Meltdown Halibut, right. uh, Eucular Meltdown single serving cottage cheese. Nice. You know, mm-hmm. Those little socks that people wear. Pets. Pets. For cats. You know. Yeah. And humans. And humans, yeah. But not, but not at this point? Is there, has well, there been a, do, we, a downturn yeah, in the yeah, band, or are you going to... Well, what happened was, so we were extremely big, and as you probably know, our specialty is rewriting public domain songs and making them worse. Right. So we put out, you know, the song Hang On Sloopy, which really we did write, but okay, through kind of legally we didn't write it. So we were sued. Now... Truly, it was it was a typo. It was meant to be hang on sloppy, yeah. but the lawyers didn't see it that way. So yeah. the band broke after up. that, yeah, we it, and there were just so many problems. There was yeah. just we oh, were on the road a lot. We got lost. We were traveling. We got, lost. Lost. We were tra- we got yeah. lost. Yeah, I know. I know. Roz, Roz is a mom, so that might have been difficult. Yes, for the kids. that was hard. That was very and you, and you have hard. a Roomba, so that I have a Roomba, yeah. very attached to. I sometimes brought the Roomba, but it's no life for a Roomba on the road, really. I mean, and cleaning up a highway is just. Hard. All kinds yeah. of different surfaces as well yeah, to, to yeah, negotiate. Yeah. yeah, but that was nice that you took the Roomba on the road with you for a while. It was, it was very it's sweet. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it we is. Played, it is. Uh, then we played, then there was another setback. We had a manager. Yeah, uh, what a shyster. Oh boy, what a shyster. Not naming names of the. Pa- yeah, Paul Rusin. Paul Rusin. And we were, yeah. we were 
playing at the um, Mountain View Correctional Home for Women and Spa. And <laughs> they threw things at us. And Paul, our manager, sold them on eBay. So that there goes, I mean, our nest egg of $67. The things yeah. that just dis were, disappeared. The things that were thrown at you, he sold on eBay. Yeah, yeah, like razor, I, razors and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but everything. He just took everything, took everything. Everything we had. I mean, we would be staying in a motel, and he would take like the soaps and the towels, even those the, the worst soaps in the yeah. world. Yeah, he would sell them. I'm a little su surprised at this because you both strike me as pretty like pragmatic, savvy, level-headed. This happens yeah. in the music world. People. Yeah, you don't and, understand. Oh, the and as we, as we said before, we were on so many drugs, we yeah. did not know what was going on sure. half the time. So we went, so we, did, we yeah. were yeah. In, in rehab, which yeah. um, we liked I don't, it. Yeah, I don't know why rehab gets such a bad name. I yeah, mean, we made potholders. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that was so much. That fun. was great. But the, we 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 got a kick out of because they make we got to um, make ashtrays. Which when you think of it, why are you going to give addicts? Ashtrays. That makes it's no like, sense no. at all. It's a but you could put candies in them. Yeah. So we yeah. had a great time. How, how My family did that. Ashtrays all over the house, filled with little candies. Mm. Good. Sort of Why nice. did you leave rehab? I don't think it sounds so nice. Yeah. They don't let yeah. you stay after a while. Yeah, they oh, kicked us out. Yeah. You know, because well, and there probably wasn't a lot of money to pay for it after that yeah, manager. We, yeah. So we broke bad. up, and then we're back together again now. Uh, for a variety of reasons, a lot have to do with money. Um, like the we're who, very, like you, the who, like yeah. the who, yeah. And we're extremely political. Uh, we have causes, and our latest cause, we are for the environment. We're not, not changing yeah. it. We we like it just the way it is, and we have a program called the um, Adopt an Iceberg program. Hmm. Maybe yes. you'd be interested in. Yeah. I I might be. How yeah. how uh, is it? Very expensive to very, adopt a nice very, 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 very. So, yes. Well, it Can costs you... a lot. I mean, you know, what, what we're doing, we figured out how to do this, is if everybody contributed all of the ice cubes in their refrigerator and put them around the base of the iceberg, then, you know, it would, we, we, we could save, you know, millions of icebergs mm -hmm. all over the world. Hmm. And people would probably have to go out, go without cold drinks. Yes, if, and it would take a long time to kind of get the ice cubes to the uh, iceberg. Yeah, you might get a lot of mileage out of this in, say, Europe, or, you know, or Eastern Europe, where they don't use ice cubes in right, drinks. Right, but they don't have yeah. them. Yeah, hmm. it's a catch. That is a yeah. catch. I yeah, we're going to work it out. I'm not sure what the work. We're going to work it out. So we got together for that, and then. Um, well, also, there was this problem that I had lied to my son about our getting, you know, selling a, that Duck and Cover had sold a million, uh, a million copies. She said it was a platinum. Yes. Uh, and it was a little bit of an exaggeration. So I figure... Yeah. Well, not I, much. You know, we were three short of a platinum. Yes. Three. Yes. Three. three. Oh, three. man. Yeah. You should have told me. I would have bought three. Yeah. Well, you didn't know me. I know. Yeah, I would have yeah. rushed Another right catch. out. No one yeah. in your family that could buy three. No, no we alienated everybody <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. We don't like our families. They don't like us. So, yeah, no. right, so right. then, yeah. then yeah. her son found out that she'd lied, and now he's kind of determined to... Yeah, he got very upset. Very upset. So, and so, so I want to kind of like straighten it out. It's really for like personal family reasons, get a a lot, as well as money. My father is so. sick, 
and dying, and it turns out that dying costs a lot of money, so I need some money. So we're we're back on we're back, back on, on the tour. road. We're back on tour. Yeah, yeah. Right we're on. writing an opera. Yeah. Uh, you, I, it's, this is hard to believe. A ukule- is it just a, it's you, a ukulele, ukulele opera? It's hard to believe, but there's never been a ukule- an opera solely for ukuleles. It is yeah. hard to believe. I know. Yeah, but I, I mean, look at Google. It, there, there isn't one. Is it just yeah. for two ukuleles? Oh or, no, 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 or you, no, no, You got a lot of ukuleles. Yeah, did you ever hear of um, Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet? Um, I heard. I think so. Is that the one with the balcony? Yes, it's yeah. a pretty good story, but it's doesn't ring true. So we're writing the real tragedy of Romeo and Juliet. In this story, they they don't die. Oh, so okay. they're like middle aged when the story opens. Yeah, they've and been they married hate a while. each other's guts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We have Actually, those. like compared to ours, like Romeo and Juliet is a comedy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the real tragedy here is just them. They're they're married. They're, they're married. They're, 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 and they've kind of seen what happens. Of their yeah. ongoing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's great when you're 14 and you die. Right. I yeah. mean, it's but the movie went on too long, and. The opening song is "I wish you were dead." No, I wish you were dead. I wish I was dead. Oh, yeah. It so that's going to be a big poignant. hit. Yeah, yeah. Poignant. It is. It is. Very it poignant. has its moments of dark humor, but really, it's a tragedy. This seems like actually a perfect segue into the book that you both have just written. You can only yell at me for one thing at a time, which is sort of a guide to surviving long-term relationships and might might be helpful to Romeo and Juliet as you've reimagined them. There were a couple in there that definitely applied. Like I ended up texting them immediately to my wife, for example, um, the one about if you are watching television, you can't rewrite the plot. Um, or if you start rewriting the plot, you have to go watch TV somewhere else. Are but you the rewriter or she's is your the wife? Rewriter. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you, so. Well, and I know, I know within five minutes if it's going to work out with a, sh- a new show like because if she starts rewriting the plot then she's not going to be happy with it it's just mm-hmm. like you know you think ah they put that thing over there they shouldn't have done that that uh, that's totally uh, unbelievable mm-hmm. what i know it's doomed so and then the one yeah whoever is more picky about the laundry ought to do it because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than being instructed Oh, I think it's... how to do laundry or how to fill the dishwasher. That's oh my the, god! That's the one you guys left yes. out. Yes, the dishwasher. If you want me to, yeah, in the next, in no, the next we, edition, we if do you want have it to... in the introduction. Oh, is it in there about the dishwasher? The dishwasher. That is a very common thing. I mean, that. Uh, in fact, with my husband, we have it's like an ongoing silent fight where he puts the spoons, he puts the silverware in wrong, <laughs> and so I don't ever discuss it with him. I you just, just rearrange I just it. rearrange it. And then if he comes back and opens up the dishwasher, he puts it back the way he has it. And then I come back and I put it the way, the correct way. And this just goes on until one of us dies. Mm-hmm. If I have just put the things in the dishwasher, my wife will rearrange them. That's how that goes. Yeah. And um and it's sort of irksome. It feels terrible it, to it, have the dishes rearranged. It's like, I couldn't know. we just wash them as yeah. are? Wouldn't they wash? They would wash. They would wash perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. And, and the laundry thing... Is it thing, worth it, really? You the know, laundry yeah. thing is so crazy that my husband 
puts the, the laundry in the washing machine because he's so fussy about how it has to be done that he has some sort of like, I don't know whether it's certain, like 14 minutes in, you have to add like an eighth of a cup of vinegar. And then like four minutes after that, you have to add something else. And then two minutes out, he has this whole way of doing it. And when my son, one of my kids moved out, the first time he did laundry, he couldn't believe how easy it was because he thought doing laundry was mm-hmm. this very complicated, hard thing. And so he did never wanted to do it. But sure. it was like, no, actually, you put the clothes in the washing machine, you add the detergent and that's done. You know, if you want to separate them into light and dark, but my husband will separate them into beiges, greens, blues, <laughs> reds. He will separate them into different colors. Was he a Navy SEAL? You know what? It's fa- his father was. For real? And his, yes, for real. <laughs> and yes, and his father what, was also as, as Richard Burton says in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, what archery? Yes, perfect. What <laughs> archery? Yes, his father was a Navy SEAL and also an aeronautical engineer. And he designed gyroscopes for Honeywell for satellites. So very perfectionistic, very exact. And his mother was a kitchen planner, which is also, it's not just like, oh, that refrigerator looks nice over there. It's everything has to be, you know, to a quarter inch, very, very exact. And so I'm married to this person who these <laughs> things matter a lot. But as another thing in the book is- Well, wait, I, don't take this the wrong way, Ross. Um, <laughs> oh, already I'm getting set up to- Are your clothes- cleaner than everybody else's. I'm not saying they're dirty, but I never thought Roz's no. chest has the, the, cleanest, the cleanest clothes. clothes. No, they are not. That's the insanity <laughs> of all of this is that it just doesn't matter. No, in fact, I put the darks with the whites and nothing has happened. Well, that, that the same that would be the, the way it would be in our house too because most of my clothes are so old anyway. Like all the <laughs> the the dye has like leached out of them like centuries ago. But to him this matters so so much. And the thing about relationships is the person who cares yes does it. Right, yes. right. And, and the person who doesn't complains. You know, maybe if there's an underlying philosophy in your book, it is everyone is crazy. And to the extent that you can let the other person be the crazy that they are, then that's a good thing. Then that that, yeah. that yes. will be good for the relationship. Yeah. But the unfortunately, you're sharing them, space. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that is that's where it gets claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, there are problems that have to be solved. I mean, one solution is a big enough house, but not everybody, certainly in New York, can have that solution. You have some extreme solutions, like one of you moves to Greenland. That works. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That works. Or, yeah. Yeah, I liked this idea in the introduction, or I, I don't know, anecdote, about one person in the couple investing all of your life savings in cryptocurrency. Did that happen to either of you? No. In fact, it's a, it's a, a... that I is the only one whether... that didn't happen, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it did stand out, and I thought, oh, what the hell? Because yeah. I have a brother-in-law who very, very well might do that to his, you know, and his wife's life savings. Does but he have some in already? He was really gung ho about cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Where he's Turkish, they're in Turkey. When we were in Turkey last time, yeah. he had this whole algorithm he'd worked out, and he was going to make them incredibly rich by micro trading and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I, hopefully that has passed. Is it fair to say that the subtext of the humor that you all do is like life is pretty shabby, so we might as well have a laugh? 
I, I, yeah, I mean, existentially, that would be my yeah. philosophy because if you're serious, you're still going to die. So right. why yeah. not? And everything and it'll probably does just seem make it worse. Kind of funny to us. Like it feels like the opposite of something like the Olympics, the pomp and the circumstance and the striving and the yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like you guys are doing the opposite of well, the Olympics. Yeah, especially with living with someone. It's not really a romantic situation. And the problems aren't really ones about love. They're about domestic management. Yeah, it's not so much. None of these myths of the like couples that, you know, are just, I don't know, no, it's copulating like, madly for, oh. you know, 40 years. <laughs> this isn't one of the, the books that tells you to go on date night. Yeah, yes. Oh, I know. You actually yeah. recommend an adultery night as, as a re- adultery yeah. day. Well, yeah. kind of an anything goes philosophy if it doesn't affect you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Adultery day. Yeah. 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 And then no questions asked no questions. the next day. You have lived in Connecticut for yeah. how many years? 30. 30 years. Yeah. Which yeah. seems like so the antithesis of oh, everything yeah. about the voice of your work. It's, oh, well, we moved there uh, just before our second kid was born. And yeah. we moved there because A, we could not afford to stay in New York. Who can? Uh, yeah. yeah, that was just neither one of us uh, makes that kind of money. And also, the schools where we live were very good, the public schools. I mean, the Brooklyn you grew up in, you obviously didn't miss, but like, yeah. did oh, you miss totally the nuts. smoked salmon and oh, the whatever? Oh, completely. I yeah. missed it every minute mm-hmm. of every day. And also, I did not know how to drive when we moved out there. I'd never taken a driving lesson, so I had to learn how to drive when I was 38. And I do not recommend it. Uh, because by the time you're 38, you know everything that can go wrong, you know, from the wheels falling off the car. So uh, you like hunched over the wheel. Oh, totally. Car. And I yeah. still drive like that. Okay. I still hate to drive. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I hate cars. I hate driving. I'm very much happier in the city. And I still feel strange out there. I don't really like to go outside when I'm in mm-hmm. out there. Uh, but then as I, I recall you describing somewhere that like, you know, growing up, that was also your preference. Why not stay inside all the time and draw? Yeah, so, yeah. You know? but in the city, going outside <laughs> is not so different from being inside. Right, no know? one knows you. For no one, one knows thing. you. Yeah. It's very, I almost said it's just calmer. It's and if you walk me. down the street, you can look at the inside of stores yeah, and, and people's apartments. you go inside apartments. of a store, yeah. you know? If suddenly, like, being outside is just a little bit overwhelming, you can kind of go inside yeah. of a store. And you can look at things. You can pick up things and, like, look at them and, like, look at that, you know? Right. But what do you do when you're outside? It's like you put, pick up a stone so and it's boring. like, look at that stone. Whoa, you know, it looks just <laughs> like the last stone I picked up. I think going for, like, looking for fossils would be fun because it would be like shopping. You know that nature is boring when you even pay attention to how people give you directions in the country versus the city. Like in the city, they'll say, turn left on right, you know, on on Madison. And it's a place and you can, there are landmarks. And it's like, you're going to see a little tree and then there's going to be another tree and then there's going to be a rock on the road and then turn there. So neither of you has ever become the sort of, you've never... Had the the moment the the Walden moment or whatever of feeling the need to like go wander in the woods and commune with nature like that. No, no, I'm the opposite. <laughs> but I went to overnight camp and I did like it. I, I have to yeah. confess, it wasn't one of those camps in the city. Right. <laughs> and I did like it, but I was young. I didn't know. About oh, it. summer camp, yeah. you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. All right. 
I have a topic that you brought up. Yeah. Collaboration. The first job I ever had was at Saturday Night Live, and I had a writing partner, and I loved my writing partner, and we wrote everything together. We wrote a book together. We wrote sketches together. And... Um, who was your writing partner? Doug McGrath, okay. who wrote Beautiful and co-wrote Bullets Over Broadway and lots of stuff. And he's a great friend to this day. And he's hilarious and wonderful. And we had such a great time and we, we liked everything we wrote. But if your first writing experience is collaborating, right. I don't think it's a good thing. Because when we did start to write independently... I thought, I can't do this. Because when you're collaborating, you can kind of sit there and look like you're thinking about something, but what you're thinking about, he'll come up with something. He'll come up with something. And you're used to that collaborative process. So then we did separate uh, as writers, and I got more confidence, because I had zero, so it's easy to have more, (laughs) um, about writing independently. And then when Roz and I collaborated, we both had our own voice. So it's a whole different thing collaborating that way with yeah, that how, history. How did you find, you know, what was the common ground? I mean, Roz is writing in her in her uh, comics as well, cartoons. Like, how did you find what would be the well, voice well, that's together? That's the other great thing about, there are so many great things about collaborating with Roz, but Roz is an artist who's also a very good writer. I'm a writer who appreciates visual stuff and have and kind and of have visual ideas. ideas as well. So it's not just, uh, there's been a lot of times I've worked with people on a book where I get, you know, the manuscript and then I do the drawings and that's kind of it. There's not really a right. lot of interaction with the person whose work I'm illustrating, but with Patty, it's very different. There's uh, just a lot more connection between the writing and the drawing. And, uh, you know, Patty can make suggestions to me about the visual things and I can make suggestions to her about the writing mm-hmm. things. So how it, do you all work so, together? Do you like, or do you get together? Well, we, we, we kind of conceive of something together and talk it over. And then I usually come up in these, these last two books with some captions, but inspired from what Roz says, or you know, stolen from what Roz says, and then mm-hmm. Roz illustrates it. I might say the way I see it is this, and she can take it or leave it. There's about a million emails yeah. usually. Yeah, I was wondering, yeah. are you all texting each other, or is it a very formal like we'll meet? No, you we'll send me stuff. Yeah, we send prog- yeah. progress reports. Yeah, and I mean, it's we're each other's sous chefs from afar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, and we have the same sensibility. We've never yeah. disagreed about anything. We tend to have more ideas than we need, and we go over it and say, this is a keeper, this is a maybe, this is yeah. a throwaway, and we never disagree about it. Underneath it all, I think we're both equally idealistic, earnest people. I, I think that if if you, when people call somebody cynical, I think it's really because they're very idealistic. And the things huh. that people think of as... You know, if you have like a date night that you schedule mm-hmm. every week, everything is going to be great. And you might say that when I laugh at things like this, it's cynical, but it's not. It's actually because, you know, I'm hoping for something better than that, where it's like, well, I guess we better have sex because it's Thursday night. Gee, doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> and it's like, uh, I really hope that it doesn't come to that. I never really thought of myself. Am I idealistic? Well, I have pretty high standards. 
for others. <laughs> Not so much for yourself. No, I, I, I do. I mean, we we care about little little mistakes in our work, for yeah. sure. We, yeah. we, we go over it with a fine tooth. I don't know if I'm idealistic. I mean, I, I waver be, between being like the most gullible cynic and the most cynical gullible person in the world. Yeah. What is an example of gullibility, extreme gullibility? I always think things are going to turn out okay. I really, I mean, in the short run, in the end, we're all dead. Yes, and I accept that, and <laughs> I don't think there's going to be anything after my death because I'm on stage all the time. But uh, and the world will end. I mean, I usually think you know this. The subway's going to come, and pretty soon, and I'm going to win the lottery. I mean, if I ever enter it, I'm, you're an optimist. Yeah. In fact, my boyfriend and I enter all of those theater lottery the for plays mm. their lotteries and their rush tickets yeah 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 it's like the curse of good luck <laughs> we get them all the time you win we win all the time in fact we're we're waiting to we're like poised at our phones waiting to see if we won and we're we're like crossing our fingers hoping we didn't win because we didn't really want to go that night we always win See, okay. now I expect the worst. Oops. I'm waiting yeah, for these too. wires here to burst into flames. <laughs> they very well might. Yeah, or just something to go horribly yeah. wrong and for us to all well, like, lie. You're a hypochondriac. I, I, am, I am, a am not a hypochondriac Oh my at God, all. horrible, horrible. <laughs> and I have phobias. But, but I'm, I mean, that, you're all you're hoping for better. I, you're saying, oh or God, you're like yes, 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 yes. But, but yes, I am. I think while I'm not a hypochondriac, and while I think things are going to turn out okay, the flip side of that is to be in denial, which I am. I don't want information. I don't want to do 23andMe. I don't want to know anything about... I mean, I, I would be fine if they had took away mirrors in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this sounds yeah. a bit like Roz's mother, actually, as described. Yeah. In, 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 <laughs> not to get all yeah. Freudian or whatever, uh, but yeah. Well, my mother was... Uh, I mean, just in terms of putting a patina your... over reality and not wanting to talk oh. about certain uh, things. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, well she we... didn't want to talk about... Oh, yeah, that way. Yeah. That way. No, I don't... No, I my don't parents see... didn't either. No, I don't see any kind of connection between no. you, you and my mother. No, no, no. no. Okay, okay. No, my I'm mother was very much a, a kind of like the boss of things. And right. I don't think either... I think both of us are like not... Not We're bosses. like the opposite of yeah. bossy. I Mostly, I don't care. If somebody has either. this big idea of how to do the laundry or whatever, it's like, fine, be my guest. <laughs> uh, I really don't care about a lot of things. But my mother, it was like, you know, she was more like she had to run the show. Like if she were sitting here, she would be, you know, taking no, I don't understand love of power. Love yeah, of money, she, I get. Yes. Love of love power, power, I don't understand. Patty, I don't even were, know. were either of your parents like that, like in, in, in control? Well, my All mother was a boss. Yeah. Bossy. Yeah. My father was not. But same, her bossy, same, same, yeah, same. yeah, yeah. Her yeah. bossiness stopped after the house. I mean, she wasn't a bossy yeah. person. Your my mother, mother was. was bossy about my mother was everything, everything, yeah. everything, everything. She was an assistant principal, and that okay. was, you know, this maybe the same way like you're a humor writer, I'm a cartoonist. There's a kind of like overarching view of life. Her view of life was assistant principal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the disciplinarian, the principal could actually a little bit have their head in the clouds because they were the boss of all bosses. And whatever they didn't really want to deal with, yeah. they would like push to the assistant right. principal. Right. The AP is the you, you know, front that's line. The, yeah. 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 That's the person that would have to discipline the teachers, would have to discipline the students. 
And that's how she ran our house. She disciplined me and disciplined my father. So, you know, she made all the decisions. But she, she was also like highly cultured and kind yes, of a, she a was. romantic she was, in a way, like a yes. poet and so on. Yes, she was a poet. She was, <laughs> I mean, she was very gifted musically. Mm. She was a incredibly smart i mean she was really and she you know let my you know me and my father know how much smarter mm -hmm. she was than us but she was you know i mean she was really... your mother didn't care about his appearances as much no, as my mother well, there are lots and lots of photos of like the marx family being miserable in williamsburg the marx <laughs> family being miserable in sturbridge village the marx family with the cherry trees in washington but if you see we were like crying, but my mother was pinching us <laughs> to smile because she wanted us to smile. <laughs> I, I recognize that. We have family portraits like this in my house yeah. as well. I don't understand what that's all about. Why would someone want a family portrait of everyone with a yeah. frozen grimace of pain you on know, their face? Like yeah. Richard Avedon <laughs> family, they would borrow a dog for their family photos. <laughs> <laughs> so they look like the happy, that's, that's normal hilarious. family. Oh my that's God. Really that's really Perfect. I was wondering whether either of you, outside of the work that you do, because it seems like the opposite of self-improvement, the opposite of this kind of wellness culture that we now have, you know, mm -hmm. I wonder if either of you have ever, like in your own lives, any sense of being on, I wouldn't say a kick, but like on a, on a, a track or a path or a discipline of self-improvement. I clean up my closet sometimes. <laughs> yeah. That's about it. I've never... I never really cared that much about my health. I've been, both of us have been, the only way to say it is lucky <laughs> yeah. about not being sick. So you think that you deserve it and that you don't have to do anything. Also, I mean, my parents lived, my father died at 95, my mother died at 97. Good genes. And <laughs> they never did anything. I mean, in fact, like getting out of breath was something that was almost forbidden in my family. You didn't run unless you were being chased by Cossacks. <laughs> you know, my father liked to walk. My mother had terrible feet and she didn't. I would not say they were sedentary and they did not have bad habits, but uh, my father never took a vitamin in his life and neither have I, except when I was a child. My mother took vitamins. My father didn't. They just didn't believe in a lot of stuff. I mean, and I, and I think for better or worse, that is the attitude that I have also. It's like, you know, superfoods. If you eat this kind of berry, you'll never get sick. And I know this is complete BS. <laughs> I mean, that, that is, of course, BS, you yeah, know. Yeah. But I mean, I think I, I was casting a wider net. I was thinking in terms of, you know, the thought of like over time becoming a better person, being kinder, like work, these sorts of things. Are these things no, that I don't, none no. of that. Yeah. Work matters to me. You mm. know, when I briefly was in psychoanalysis, which I, I was kind of curious about. Nobody could describe it. They just said it was wonderful. So I was curious. And I called him the cleaner. Yes. <laughs> and I remember that. I'm going to the I cleaner. Think the, Is this classical Freudian? You're on a couch? Fairly, kind of, yeah, fairly okay, classical, right, yeah, yeah. not precisely classical. <laughs> and the first day I said, you know, I'm not here to be happy. I don't really care about being happy. It's not really a priority of mine. I do not want to be happy. I, I, went on, I don't want to be happy. He felt this. Don't worry, you won't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's a keeper. That thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just don't. I think it's too late for me. Well, I think happiness I have... seems silly to me. Sure. I mean, I get 
Sometimes I, I'm happy. I have I'm moments very where I'm happy. happy. And Yesterday, I'm, I was taking. A, I was in a car. I was going up the. the <laughs> I, I was going up huh. FDR Drive. I don't know why. Suddenly, I felt happy. Then I got scared. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I, I swear. Really. I'm. Um, we're both anxious. I'm not yeah. really a depressed person. I'm mm-hmm. a fairly happy person, and really, from time to time, I think. God, I'm I'm so lucky. You oh know? yeah. I mean, yeah. w- I think I'm not in pain. I, That's I, great. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. really, it's, I often think, if you had told me in high school that I would end up here now doing this, having this life, I couldn't, wouldn't believe you. I mean, so I feel pretty happy about general things. General. But yeah. if you go a layer lower with specific things, I'm unhappy about everything. There's not a place in my brain <laughs> that I can go where it's rest and relaxation. Yeah. It's like... But you were saying about like work. Uh, work. Work, work is something in which you invest the or yeah. do the exercise projects. or whatever. Yeah, yeah like, projects. I mean, yeah. I like what I do, you know, and I also feel incredibly every minute, as much as every minute in my life, I worry about this, t- that, and the other thing. I also feel incredibly grateful that I was able to uh, make a living as a cartoonist, which I never thought. I was going to be able to do. It's not something a lot of people no, are able to do. No. Yeah. And I really, it's, it's like the you only and thing R. I can... Crumb and like two other people. There's, there's probably, I mean, well, I mean, there's, it's, it's the only thing I, I can do. You yeah. know, I never, I always drew and from the time I was a little kid and I never really thought about doing anything else. And I think my parents thought I was going to be an art teacher, but I knew I wasn't. You know, mm. I didn't know what I was going to do really. To make money, but I knew the only thing I could do was draw. It's not self-improvement, really, because you know I don't think it makes me a better person at all. Maybe worse, because it's it's really I draw for myself, and it's kind of I mean I certainly don't draw to make the world a better place or to make anybody happy. I draw because that's what I do. But it's like your Zen place or your yeah, it's your, the, your yeah. right, right place to be or whatever. Yeah, and when I'm working on my my I do them like on an embroidery kind of jag right now, and um and I've always had like a little some little other thing going along, whether I'm like making rugs or the Pisanki eggs or, you know, it's just, that's, <laughs> that's what I do. That's what I do. So gotcha. I'm more tortured, I think. <laughs> um, Writing is torture. It's yeah, torture. Yeah, torture. I mean, there comes, yes. I mean, it's, it starts out with me trying to figure out if I can get out of something, then thinking if there's no way I can do this, just no way I can do this. And then you try not to do it for a long time, and then you kind of buckle down and do it. And there is a corner that you turn when you kind of understand what it is you're doing. And so and the it's, moment, it's okay. moment of elation there, or just well, kind no, of... it's relief really <laughs> yeah, that you yeah. kind of can see it. Like there's words on a paper, you know what this is about. But unfortunately, this isn't completely true. But why not yeah, say well, it anyway? Everything I write, I have to teaches me how to write that piece so but you get there fast you you know what the problems are faster it's not that you become a better writer but you become a better editor of yourself i but think but it's still a little bit but of square it's, one it's, every time yeah, like, yeah it's yeah. still torture i mean yeah. it's not like <laughs> yay it's yeah. not like i'm high on myself all the time <laughs> yeah yeah but, it's hard I yeah, mean, it really is definitely hard. hard. And there's, but, it's like really figuring it out. 
but it's very satisfying once you do. And it's always better. I mean, I I have the I have to turn in a weekly group of cartoons every a weekly group every week. Yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. There's editing. Good mnemonic device. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and I have a very similar thing where I think whenever I finish that week, I think like I'll never be able to do this again. Yeah. That was just it. I'll never have another idea, and that is done. But somehow it sort of gets done. Yeah. And I'll never, you know, that that thing where you suddenly get an idea, it's just such a miracle yeah. because I never think I'm going to get another idea. Well, there's something cool about that. I mean, doing that over and over and over again, going through that process yeah. over and over again of th- the torture and the uncertainty. You and would then... think after like, you know, X number of decades of doing this that I would know that like, no, you don't have to panic that, you know, yeah. you're going to, but I still, it is like going back to square one and certainly with doing books. I mean, I'm working on my third book now. Every book has its own sort of things that are good and things that are bad. And it's not like when you do one book, you know, you can easily do the next one or easily do the next one because each one is so different in many ways. And, right. You know, the problems are different. Yeah, I think there are things you learn, but it's not like, oh, now I can, now I know how and, you know. Gotcha. Well, I think this is as good a time as any to go to our sort of like wild card moment. Um, For the audience, this is, yeah, this is, I'm holding sinister black cards. Um, I mean, they look more sinister than they are. Brian Eno, the musician, and Peter Schmidt, the painter, in 1975, they made this set called Oblique Strategies to help get them like artistically unstuck whenever they were stuck or just kind of get them out of their own egos into a different direction. So here we're going to get out of our own egos, if we were in there anyway, and pick a random card and basically let it take the conversation in a different direction, okay? Okay. Um, I don't care who chooses it, really. Or Oh, we're or, each picking our one. Well, I think we're going to pick one. What do you guys want to do? Do you want to do like a Ouija board thing? Where no, you're Ross, both, you can yeah. do it. Okay, right. What am I doing? Picking Pick card? any card, yeah. Okay. What'd you get? When is it for? <laughs> what? <laughs> when is it for? I. When is it for? Yeah. When is it for? When is it for? I know, yeah. Uh, I guess. <laughs> okay, Brian. It, could, is it, it might be. Um, Thanks, Brian. Two thirty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Eastern Standard Time. Yeah. When wow, is it for? That's so when abstract. Is it, okay. That's actually I the most abstract a, one I've ever seen. Wow. It's. <laughs> I, 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 it, the question I ask most in life is, that, when is it over? Yeah, <laughs> I, think that, I think that is really um, a conversation stopper. I think so. I think yeah. so. And I, I think, think I've picked the one to have the answer <laughs> that just kind of like he had like he had a, a bad one in there. Yeah. That kind of like when uh, people uh, were just. That's like the autocorrect went wrong. When is it yeah. for? Like, so if I were in the middle, I'm just trying to think. Like, if I'm in the middle, if I were in the middle of writing something and it said, "When is it for?" Probably that would make me panic about my deadline. I was just thinking. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> I would say Monday evening. That's when I turn in my batch. You'd be like, so. "Oh crap! Thanks, yeah. Brian. Now, yeah, I, now I know. I'm totally frozen." But yes. <laughs> oh dear. When's it for dear of someone who doesn't speak the language very well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Because they right, should have said, right. "When's it do?" Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, that, yeah. that makes me. Which when, brings us back yes. to the moment in the book where whoever is the wordmeister in the family should just not say anything about that. In 
until the moment when it's too much and they have yeah. to because the other person yeah. has said irregardless one yeah. time too many. And you want to just like stab them yeah. through the heart. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, you that's maybe an overreaction. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe yeah. underreaction. Merriam yeah. Webster is okay with irregardless. I'm really? not. Bullshit. Yeah. No, oh, they are. Me, no, no, I'm not bullshit. That's true. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. You mean well, this is a new thing? They're 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 they descriptivists, in... not prescriptivists, right? You but know? that's so ridiculous. I didn't know they were. Yeah, yeah. Irregardless is a regionalism. Apparently, they're okay with it. I don't know how new it is. I just know that it's like a southern regionalism, which is accepted. When is it for? Never. <laughs> uh, you know, if if if, if, if it's. If it's acceptable in the South, then I can laugh at yeah. them. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> then we'll secede. Yeah, we'll... Oh, my God. I'm really... Like, that's unbelievable. Never. It, it, when, no, it that's is for really, never in New York. It is for never. When is it for? <laughs> never. So, I think that this is a good place, then, to hear a little bit from Euclid Meltdown, okay. if we can. We have about 10 minutes, so oh, I mean, great. I'm up for like yeah. uh, two songs if you are. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. On your mark, get set, go. Park, park, park your car, kind of near the curb. Ay, 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 you just bumped into her. That was song number one. Excellent. Too long for you? Um, I'm kind of, I was getting a little bored on yeah. the line herb, yeah. but yeah. up till then, I was good. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay, this one's a lot longer. You're going to get is, really bored. Yeah, you? this is called. Okay. Oh, well, we'll, we'll On your mark, get set, go. Mary had a comfort lamb, comfort lamb, comfort lamb. Mary had a comfort lamb who was a lunatic. And everyone who Mary met, Mary met, Mary met. Everyone who Mary met, the lamb was sure to kick. She took the lamb to Spain one day, Spain one day, Spain one day. She took the lamb to Spain one day and sat in seat row B. It made the pilot curse and cry, curse and cry, curse and cry. It made the pilot curse and cry and then it went wee wee. The lamb now has a comfort pig, comfort pig, comfort pig. The lamb now has a comfort pig, cause it pig T-S-F-D. It's obvious how you guys have had the long and storied yeah. career that you did. Yes. Can you see how we influenced Bob Dylan? I, yes. I hadn't... I. I I am, yeah, I am now going to have to go back and listen through his yeah. whole yeah. back catalog because my mind, totally my mind is blown. Beatles yeah. stole everything from us. And that's it for this week's episode of Think Again. As you might have heard at the top of the show, on May 12, 2020, I am launching a new and completely different show called Clever Creature. I'm very excited about it. And if you like what I do here and you're interested in supporting the new show, I'd be grateful if you went to whatever podcast app you use, subscribe to Clever Creature, and especially if you could take a second to leave a rating or a review just based on what you know of this show and what you're excited about with the new one, that would give an early breath of wind, wind beneath the wings of Clever Creature, um, and I would really appreciate it. I'll be back next week on Think Again with something completely different, and I hope you can join me.
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 